people were just coming in like, I want to buy a bike. And they wouldn't even test ride them. They were just like trying to give us money for bikes. And we're like, yo, you, you need to make sure that this bike fits you. And it's, you know, and people are like, I don't care. I just want a bike. Welcome to the Bike Portland podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Moss. In this episode, I'll share conversations I had this week with two Portland bike shop owners. The first is Brad Parker from Metropolis Cycles on North Williams Avenue. And the second is Cassie Hidalgo, the owner of Gladys Bikes on Northeast Alberta. As we move further away from the peak of the pandemic, I wanted to circle back with shop owners who've been at the front lines of a very tumultuous 20 months. First, COVID hit and they had no idea what the future would hold. Then before they could catch their breath, people were literally knocking down their doors as a bike boom took hold. They then ran out of parts and bikes as they set up an entirely new business model and scrambled to meet demand and keep their employees and customers safe. I waited to do these interviews because it feels like bike shop life is finally getting back to normal and these owners are starting to be able to breathe a little bit easier again. I talked to Brad in his office while business hummed in the background. Here's that conversation. From from my perspective, it looked like Metropolis is going great. Things are things are going okay. You're getting your you're getting set as a, as the owner and kind of making the shop in your image and getting things all all dialed in. And then how did that hit for you when when the COVID thing kind of started coming out and you realized you know this is going to change things. This would have been I guess March 2020. Well, it was really scary. You know, not knowing what to do or you know, what to do with the staff, what to do with the customers. And uh, that first week after the governor kind of made some announcements, um, we were really slow. So that was good. So we could kind of figure out what we were going to do. And um, one thing that I did was instead of, you know, just being like, I want to do this, I want to do this, I want to do this. uh, Basically with the staff and myself, we're kind of like, what should we do? How should we handle this? And, you know, we all got together and we're like, hey, maybe we should, you know, use our side window as like a check-in, maybe not have people come into the shop. That's less interactions with people, you know? So that, that was like a whole first month of COVID, you know, figuring out what we're going to do, how we're going to continue staying open and how we're going to work on bikes and basically limiting the interaction we had with our customers, made our customers happy, made my employees happy. Um, you know, but it was still kind of up in the air cause we didn't know how easy you could get COVID. And, you know, it was just, like everybody, we were, you know, like real nervous and anxious and not sure what to do. We were scared we were even going to be able to stay open. There was no, you know, we didn't even start seeing the boom till I would say the, the end of April is just like when it started happening. And especially... Also that quick. Yeah. Especially mm. soon as soon as the first um, check started coming to help boost the economy is when it just went from zero to like, holy cow. And, and also like the other thing was, you know, people finally realized like, Hey, I still want to be active. I still want to do stuff. I can be outside as long as I'm away from people. And so there's a combination of people getting a little bit of income from the government. And then people being like, shoot, I can be on a bike, be away from people and still get away from all my problems. And that just, you know, was one of the reasons of the big boom. Everybody wants to be outside and doing something. Yeah. So you went pretty fast from kind of nervous, anxious about what this thing might mean. Like, I think every, a lot of people were kind of like a lot of people in the retail business were like, or in the economic, you know, economic advisors, stuff like that. were thinking everybody might just, I don't know, sit in their house and like never spend another dollar. I think that's actually part of the supply chain issue that we'll talk about later is that this, this, they totally underestimated uh, consumer demand. But so you went from like being really nervous to, uh, 
all of a sudden you're seeing this up to uptick and people are it's dawning on people that bicycles might be like a, a cool like it might be fun to ride bikes exactly with the social distancing as it dawned on people so you saw that pretty pretty quick and then was it new kind of people coming into the shop or like what did you notice about like who was buying stuff and what kind of things they were buying um, that's actually a really good point you're bringing up. The first big wave, as we like to call it, was first-time b- bike buyers or somebody who hasn't had a bike in a long time and buying a new bike. And that was like the first craze. Like People were just coming in like, I want to buy a bike. And they wouldn't even test ride them. They were just like trying to give us money for bikes. And we're like, yo, you, you need to make sure that this bike fits you. And it's, you know, and people are like, I don't care. I just want a bike. And it was nuts. There was people lined up outside just to buy bikes. So our inventory of bikes went super fast. Like three weeks, we went from full bike shop to zero bikes. What kind of bikes were they buying? Uh, Everybody wanted to get commuter bikes. That was like the most popular, like, hey, I want the cheapest bike that's still good. Those went really fast. And then you would come into the shop a few weeks later and all we had was our our most expensive bikes. That's what was left. Um, But then those started going too. And it was just... Yeah. Did you get a sense that people were buying bikes to like recreate and roll around the neighborhood because they were stir crazy or um, because they, you know, uh, uh, what did, did you get a sense of like what what is it about bikes that people were kind of getting excited about? Or was it maybe people that like, uh, I don't know, they they needed exercise and the gym was closed. Like, was it a mix of things? I think it was a mix of things. Um, stir crazy would definitely be one of the the top points there. Um, and the reason being is we, we assumed like all these new people were getting bikes. So we started for an example of knowing that these are kind of people that were only what we call like Sunday riders or only going to ride on sunny days is so we bought a bunch of fenders for that fall. Cause we'd sold so many bikes. We're like, Oh, all these people are going to come in to buy fenders. We didn't sell any fenders that first year. Mm. You know, it's just like, okay, we didn't really think about this. You know, people weren't buying bikes to be hardcore commuters and be the hardcore Portland cyclists. They just wanted to get out of the house and, you know, get get a little exercise and enjoy the, the good weather. So uh, that, you know, that we, we did get a few hardcore cyclists out of it, but it's mostly, you know, fair weather cyclists that were purchasing them. So, so going into that first summer, uh, you had uh, this uptick in sales. People were coming in, just grabbing whatever bike they could get. Uh, tell me about what you settled into in terms of like your COVID, like standard operating procedure, just like as a shop was, you know, appointments, like how did, how did the shop work at that point? Well, we, we basically right at the get go made it. So everyone had to make an appointment, whether you were getting a flat fix, whether you were wanted just to look at a bike, um, you wanted to buy a tube, you wanted to get pedals, whatever it was, we, we said, you need to make an appointment, mainly because, you know, at that, that first few weeks of people buying bikes and it was nuts, we wanted to like maybe make it so everyone wasn't coming at the same time. So um, we weren't getting crowds outside the bike shop because that's kind of what you were trying to get away from. And so by doing the appointments, it really worked out well. So we could, you know, have one person come in one employee outside with that one customer so they could do a test ride so we could still have that one-on-one spend time with the customer and not you know make an unsafe situation with having a a bunch of people even even outside close to each other so that that's one of the first things we did um other than that obviously everyone in the shop wearing masks um cleaning all surfaces with clorox you know all that jazz Mm -hmm. um 
you know, and just communicating, you know, if somebody learns something about what we should be doing, telling everyone else, should we be doing this? You know, should we implement that? And yeah, just by keeping all the customers outside and that way people aren't walking in and touching everything. And we're, it, it made it easier to keep the bike shop clean. Like take me to, take me to like your frame of mind. So you're selling bikes. So you're probably a little relieved that the doors are probably still going to be able to stay open. Mm -hmm. At least you thought, maybe thought they were, you know, you had, you felt pretty good about sales, but then you had all this like nervousness just around like the virus and you're probably concerned like about employees. Like what was your, what was your mindset getting into that summer, that sort of first summer of COVID? What were you feeling as, as the owner of the shop? Well, um, that, that whole year, like just being, you know, our, all of our anxiety, anxiety levels were super high. But my main concern was making a safe environment for my employees, as well as, you know, like keeping the business going so they have a job. And basically any extra penny we made above, you know, normal profits, we, we saved it just because we didn't know what was going to happen. Like mm. we were going to have to close for two weeks, a month, you know, whatever we, we wanted to just, I want to make sure we had like a little nest egg so people could still get paid, whatever we needed to do. You know, the government came out and started helping with that kind of situations. But fortunately, we only had to close once for five days because we just had a scare, um, all negative tests. So. Mm. So, you, so you dodged the sort of health issues with your own own staff and everybody was stayed healthy throughout for yep. the most part. Mm -hmm. um, tell me how long it was until you started to notice like product shortages and that, that whole wave started. I would say when it started, started getting bad, it was like towards the middle of the first summer and I just went to go reorder pedals and there was no pedals. That soon. So that first yeah, well, summer. You're selling all those new bikes yeah. and most n nice new bikes don't come with pedals. So if everybody's, you know, selling bikes like crazy, they're selling pedals like crazy. And so it's just like, oh crap, why are pedals hard to get? You know, and then, and then right after that, it's like, you know, what wears out the soonest on a bike, usually brake pads and chains, that stuff started going. Like, um, like you would call your distributor or whatever, and they would just say either it's a long wait time or call us back. We don't have it yet. Or like, what were they, what were you hearing? Well, at the beginning, they, they, they didn't even know what to tell us. They were just like, uh, we don't know what's going on. We don't know how long it's going to take, you know, cause it, it was a bunch of stuff on their end, you know, you know, our, the, our reps were just like the, the purchasers don't know how long it's going to take because the factory's closed because people are sick or, you know. Um, we can't get containers and stuff like that, but I would say a few, six months after that, they kind of knew it was a bunch of things. It wasn't just one thing. Like where, in terms that was of what was leading to the shortage. Yes. Right. Cause like for, for listeners that aren't like in the, in the biking world, it wasn't just that a lot of people were buying stuff. It was that a lot of bikes and bike parts come from places in Asia yep. that were hit really hard with COVID and they, they just like really shut the factories down. Didn't they like at first and yeah. they were before us. So that predated the surge in in mm -hmm. sales and then so it was there's was multiple factors there not just the demand from customers yeah exactly because you know the bike shops run out of stuff then the warehouses run out of stuff then if the factories aren't producing stuff to fill the warehouses then it starts getting backed up backed up backed up to where you know the only people that are getting parts are bike manufacturers why because their factories are over in asia so asia to asia you know, fact factories work together better than having to go across logistically across an ocean and all that jazz. So, um, yeah, it's, it's almost like all the parts went to new cause 
all the bike companies, you know, they're like, hey, there's this new bike boom. We got to pump out the bikes. So what's priority? Bikes, not, you know, getting these replacement parts out to the, you know, the end user, if that makes sense. Yeah. So how did you navigate that? Did you you have to tell a lot of people no? Did that add, like, were you nervous that maybe that was going to have a real dent on sales? Or how do you deal with not having enough, the, the right kind of products when you needed them? Um, that's a good question. What, what we tried to do is instead of have, not having an option at all, just finding a different option. You know, instead of having the name brand brake pads, we went to a generic brake pad. Um, we even went to like new distributors we never ordered from. And, and now they're like a main distributor for us because they have, it's just like, wow, I never thought about this. And What happened locally with like other bike shops? Did you, was there like communication going on and like how to deal with this stuff where people just like triaging their own shops and not able to talk? Cause I know in the past there's kind of been this, like, seems like there's a pretty good camaraderie among most of the shops, especially regionally in town, like North, Northeast Portland. Like, did you have communication with other shop owners to find out what they were doing? Yeah, absolutely. At the beginning we were talking quite a bit and, um, even communicating like, where can you get stuff? Um, but, but as it went on, it was like, almost it was just like that was our full-time job was finding stuff so i don't know as as it went on we kind of got away from that it's not that we weren't you know continuing to communicate because every once in a while you get a message on our little message thing that we had where like hey these people have brake pads you know but um i think we were just all in the same boat after a while it's like just get it where you can you know and and uh you know if you did get a good tip you shared it you know what happened after that? Did things kind of ever reach like a normal stasis where you kind of, yeah, you ha- you still have some part shortages and, and there's, you know, you're still seeing maybe more people buying bikes or like what, what ended up happening on like the demand side, uh, you know, going into like just this last spring? Um, well, it's, we're still really deep in the part shortage, mm. um, especially, you know, with hydraulic brakes, 11, 12 speed chains, can't get a, you know, a 12-speed derailleur till, you know, the end of next summer. So the short bike part shortage will last. If it's not one year, it might even be a few more years. It's going to be a while before it's it's normal. For our bike shop, the one thing that's starting to get normal is we have bikes. Um, you know, some of our bike companies, we, we really haven't gotten any in like a year and a half, where a few of our other companies, we're starting to you know, fill up our back stock, which our basement where we usually keep some of our, our back stock has been empty for almost two years. And now we're like putting stuff down there. And have you seen any, any shift in the kind of customers? I mean, I'm assuming, um, you lost a, probably a lot of like commuters since a lot, a lot of people aren't, aren't commuting to the office. I was curious about that. And you also live like on a commuter corridor. So, uh, has that, have you noticed that? And then it, was it like, are, are people, I know a lot more people are riding like off-road these days. Mm-hmm. Have you seen some of that? Like any, can you share anything about like the customer mix that's been different? Yep, absolutely. So the first year commuters were like done, like as in like coming into the shop, we, we had almost zero commuters. The uptick new bike sales we were talked about earlier, but the other thing was mountain biking and mountain bike sales. Um, you know, we we couldn't even get mountain bikes; the, the demand was so high for for almost a year. And so, anything to do with mountain bikes, whether it's brakes, brake pads, chains, um, you know, suspension service, just really grew in the last year and a half. The one thing that we have been seeing um, in the last like four months, commuters are coming back, and they're coming back really strong for us at least because hmm. we're on this commuter yeah. corridor and and that's what our service is totally right now all summer long mountain bikes gravel bikes now it's 
commuter bike, commuter bike, commuter bike. And it, it warms our heart, you know, cause commuters have always been our, our main, you know, clientele. And it's just good to, to see him come back and see the fender sales, the light oh, sales, yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just yeah, like yeah. the, the stuff that we've, Those we haven't seen. signs of, of commuters. Yep. And, and you, and it's, you know, we, we were busy at like one o'clock during COVID. Now we're, we're back to people are actually working downtown and the last hour we're, we're open, we're just running our butts off. And it's just like, this is how it was before COVID, you know? And, and it's, it's slowly, you know, at least for us coming back hmm. in, so, in that fashion. And so you're, you're not quite back to the old uh, way of the shop where you can just kind of barge on in and, and, uh, or what is left of your COVID sort of safety protocols? That's a good question. So we still have, you know, multiple signs outside that say, you know, check in at the side window. And that's mainly so we visually can see that you're wearing a mask. Um, when anyone calls to, you know, see if they still need to make an appointment or can they come in to look at a bike, we'll usually tell them on the phone, if you're wearing a mask, come on in. You know, and, and, you know, bring your own helmet if you want to go on a test ride, you know, stuff like that. But um, we, we, I think it's been since last April that we started letting people back in. So we were not letting people in for just over a year. Mm. So. Cool. So um, is, do you think there's anything about like this whole last year and a half or so that like a lot of customers, a lot of riders like just got wrong about like uh, local shops and what you're going through did you hear any like misconceptions from people i'm just curious if you if there's anything you want folks to know that you know kind of set the record straight about something or anything that, that people kind of assumed incorrectly or anything like that um there's been a few people that have complained about like the increase in in you know how much stuff costs so so things are definitely back to normal because customers are complaining about <laughs> yes <laughs> okay so any thoughts about like what do you think is going to be what do you think is going to hit the fan next like uh you know, st supply chain stuff's still there. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I, the COVID thing's probably not going to get any worse here. So that's going to continue to kind of probably get back to normal or some, some semblance of that, or at least some kind of like status quo that we learned to deal with. But like anything in your mind that like you see coming on, on the, up on the radar that, that, that could be different uh, coming up here pretty soon with the shop? You know, that that's a really good question. Just because the last few years, it's just been, you know, learn as you go. And, uh, you know, the, the only thing that we've been changing is the fact that we know we can't get parts for a long time. So we've kind of started storing a lot more parts. Like, you mm -hmm. know, instead of buying, usually having three in stock, we'll have like 30 in stock. If we can get it, just, you know, because we know we can't get it for a really long time. And so my, my fear is like, what if everything comes back into stock and we have like all this stuff, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? So that's any business owners, you know, problem they're dealing with right now you know the supply it's just I what, see. what's the next year gonna bring should i keep do should i keep hoarding parts yeah, right. you know so you've got a ton of stuff and then so if something if some wrinkle happens when you didn't you don't need that or for whatever reason that could be a little glut there yeah. in the shop and rumor has it too there's there's quite a few manufacturers you know overseas that that they feel like the the bike boom is gonna when it stops it's gonna stop pretty hard hmm. and a lot of their investors or or whoever's in charge of the factory and how much they produce they I, what i've heard is they don't want to be pumping it out because they feel that if they do they're going to flood you know the market they're 
product's not going to be as worth as much because there's too much of it out there or they're going to be stuck with a bunch in their factories yeah. you know because everybody's got too much of it it's weird to think so, of, it's weird to think of bike parts as like like i think like oil or something like there's yeah. these oil cartels that get to decide how much to pump and then like that's it sets everything but like the way you describe that is like there's actually i mean it doesn't make sense they have these levers that they can push and pull and that determines how much stuff can be made in this in the big uh, in the big uh, uh, factories, yep. and then that sort of sets the tone for pricing and, yep. and availability and all that stuff. So yeah. you're right if you're saying if they if they decide the boom's over and they and they sort of like overcorrect for that, that may shut off the spigot and cause other problems. Yeah, hmm. the you know they're worried about the you know their own you know I wouldn't call it microeconomics, but their own you know True. economics for the future, and you know. Yeah. They don't want to damage, you know, their profits the next season. Okay, so keep hoarding. You're going to need to maybe move <laughs> into another little part of the shop here. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, anything else you want people to know? No, I mean, we're excited. People are biking, you know, and the bike boom's awesome. And we love seeing more people out there. And and we're, we're stoked to start seeing faces we haven't seen in a long time. So if you haven't been by, please come by and say hi. We, you know, COVID affected everybody differently. And you know, a lot of people got into cycling and a lot of cyclists we used to see all the time disappeared, you know, and we're hoping to see some faces again that we haven't seen in a long time. And yeah, we miss a lot of people. We miss a lot of things. And we're hoping that uh, we can make it as close to normal as we can in the future. Cool. Thanks for so, talking with us, Brad. Yeah, you got it. Thank you. That was Brad Parker, owner of Metropolis Cycles on North Williams Avenue. My next conversation is with Cassie Hidalgo, who took over as owner of Gladys Bikes the same month we all went into lockdown. Here's our conversation. My name is Cassie Hidalgo. Uh, I'm the owner of Gladys Bikes. We're on 29th and Northeast Alberta. Um, I label us as a commuter shop, and recently we've been selling some new bikes, which is really exciting because a lot of folks know that there's like a bike shortage and all the things, uh, but most of the bikes that we've sold in history are commuter bikes, touring bikes, graveling bikes, graveling, gravel Probably, bikes, yeah, yeah. Um, and most importantly, we're here to answer people's questions and like uh, be a support for whatever type of cyclist you are, which entails you get on a bike, you're a cyclist, and like that's kind of the end. That's the bar. Tell, take me back to your frame of mind as you start to like watch the news and you can kind of tell something's going to happen. And then like for me personally, it was always like when Governor Brown came out with her statement about it, I was mm -hmm. like, OK, this is this is a real thing. This is going to impact us all. Like, do you remember what you were thinking about, you know, mostly as a shop owner at that time? Like, what was your frame of mind? Yeah. I mean, can I say that, like, uh, is it concrete enough to say that my charisma just like vanished before my eyes i was expecting the transition of taking over the shop to be just this like really like magical time for myself and the previous owner leah uh and when i saw the announcement and kind of just saw covid start taking effect in the western world in general um i knew that it was going to be something big um and so yeah i just lost Charisma got really concerned, and mainly I was concerned about my employees. I just wanted to make sure that like we were all going to be okay, because that was the biggest new thing for me in being a, an owner was having employees. And when you say you lost charisma, you're are you saying that what you are you kind of like an extrovert? Did you think that did you were you looking forward to the aspect of the shop where like there'd be all these people around and you would be able to host things in the shop and have people like events and stuff like that just wanting the transition and just the, my first 
six months to a year of the shop to be a lot more community focused. What that means for me as like a queer Latinx person is just honestly just gathering and getting goofy and being weird. That couldn't happen. But what I was really excited about was taking over the ship that is Gladys. And I think Gladys just means a lot more to me and to a lot of people than just like a bike shop where you can come in and get things and do things. And so as soon as I found out that we weren't going to be able to gather or see people or, you know, I think, when did we hear the term lockdown? I can't remember when that was. It had been March or April, I think. Yeah. And so March was when I officially like took over. And so like March was the time where we heard the term lockdown. And I was just like, okay, all right. So did you, did it take you a while to settle into like a new operating procedure? I know things were, I'm assuming you had some time closed, but then you reopened. And what did that all look like? Yeah, our time closed just meant me doing the things. So my employees were able to get on unemployment pretty quickly. And then uh, that only really lasted for like a month to two months, depending on the employee. Um, and then it was just me doing like bare bones wrenching and getting people bikes because we had bikes and people were wanting bikes to get to and from where they needed to be uh, without having to take the bus at that point in time. After that, it was just a matter of creating a, like a functioning but yet restrictive bike shop <laughs> to where uh, two people could be here safely. Uh, you know, I think it took us, what, like four months as mm. a society to figure out the mask thing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. And painfully then, long time yeah um but we didn't let anybody inside until probably like fall last year wait this year okay yeah I, I very fuzzy on timelines because of the uh mush that has been the last two years yeah yeah how, how long until you uh or did you see the impacts of this boom and like more people wanting to get on their bikes for physical distancing or or, you know, that sort of thing. Did you, did you feel that at the shop quickly or did that ever happen or? Yeah, it was quite quickly. So, I mean, and I think that, you know, I can only speak to my experience, but taking on the shop was, I would say good timing and bad timing, um, in the sense that there was such a big boom in the desire for bikes in 2020. Um, but we had not a lot of backstock because I was taking on new ownership. And so there wasn't the idea was that I would like build my preferred inventory as I took over the shop, um, just to keep logistics a little bit more simple, um, changing ownership. And then, so we just didn't have a whole lot of bikes. And so we ran out of bikes really quickly. Summer really started to kick in and we were selling everything. Yeah. As a business owner, that's not like a complaint, at, a complaint at all, but what is, uh, was challenging for us and what, um, kind of really clicked was when people were buying bikes that maybe weren't even like the best fit for them or were a thousand dollars more than what they had. They're like, Hey, you know, I just want like a bike to like get me to and fro something like $300. I'm like, well, we have this $1,300 bike that can get you across the country. Does that, yeah, does yeah. that work? <laughs> so you have limited, limited, uh, supply to meet the demand or at least the sp some specific demand that must've been fr frustrating. Yeah. And that's kind of when it clicked. So here in the shop, we felt it mostly, yeah, just based off of people's thirst to kind of get their hands on whatever they could. I would say the main time it clicked when I was like, oh, this is going to be weird was when people were coming from like Grants Pass, Bend, like people were coming from other parts of Oregon or other parts of Washington to scoop up a bike here. 
and take it back. Well, how they were just like scouring the web and yeah. like maybe realized you had a brand that they wanted and might have stock or yeah. something. Oh my goodness. Absolutely. And, and, and that was, you know, I'm grateful to those people for choosing us as that shop, but I love it when folks buy a bike from us and then stick with us as like they progress or just need more support. So mm. I like, it when people become kind of a part of our family um here as like cliche as that sounds and so that was like not an ideal sale for us but i'm not gonna say no we're not gonna say no to people that come through the door and like oh i want that bike and i don't live here so you experienced the like the anxiety of this 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 lockdown and this virus going on and then pretty relatively quickly you have to sort of like get everything up to speed and deal with like a boom and an, an increased demand. Mm -hmm. And then did you, uh, what about, um, any shortage in supply that, I mean, beyond just the initial rush of the, of the sort of increased sales and business people coming in. But when did you start to notice some of like the supply chain stuff that we're seeing now and like bike, bike parts, not being able to, you know, just because the factories were closed down and that sort of thing. Did, is that something you experienced? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, we experienced a shortage of everything um, from helmets to tubes to chains to cassettes to saddles. Um, and a lot is still persistent today. Um, uh, because the demand is lessened with the colder and rainier months, uh, I don't think that, you know, I'm scrambling as much to meet the needs of some of our basic inventory demands. Uh, but the shortages still exist, you know, understandably. I think it's going to take, you know, I have no support for this at all, but I would anticipate shortages getting, uh, continuing for like another year, year and a half. What about, what about workers and staff? Have you experienced, or what's been that, what's like depping dep experience like in the past year or so just with keeping your existing ones around and dodging some of the health problem, you know, the dodging COVID infections yeah. um, and also just retaining people and getting staff and keeping, keeping enough workers here. Yeah. Um, we're really lucky. Uh, you can, as you can see, it's a small shop, so it's really just me and, uh, two other main humans and then the fitters. Um, who work in this building or in this shop. And um, I was super fortunate to have folks that were willing to stay on after Gladys was sold. So I've had, Gladys has had the same employees for the past uh, five years. Um, and then Jim, the uh, service manager, has been around since the like genesis of Gladys. Um, so really, I would say they were my rocks in a lot of ways. Um, and then keeping them on, I just made sure to tell them like, instead of just taking like one day off here and there, like they would take weeks off. We, we joked that like everybody got like a week long vacation every month. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, that didn't actually pencil out, but, um, yeah, it was nice to just be able to give each other space when we, we needed it and, uh, kind of pick up the slack when somebody else needed to leave and, uh, but yeah, for the first year and a half, I would say a lot of, or the first full year, year and 14 months, um, none of us really could go anywhere, right? Or could do anything. So we were just, we were pretty happy to have this place to come to. Uh, what, how would you sort of assess where things are now? Uh, it's not completely normal yet, but where's, where do you feel like the shop and the community around the shop is at this point in regards to all the tumult of the past year and a half or so? Uh, in, in terms of what it, what you might see as a normal down the road, how close are you? What's it like right now? 
Yeah, that's a it's a good timing question. I mean, with the fall and like the seasons of change, um, I've been able to see glimmers of like what I want the shop to be as far as just uh, operationally how it's functioning, like the smoothness of it. Um, and then, uh, you know, personally, I feel like I'm able to do a few more like creative projects, which is cool. And I'm like not a creative person like at all. And so it takes me just a lot to actually get creative and to think outside the box. Um, I'm a lot, I'm a lot more of like a tactically oriented person. And, uh, yeah, so getting creative for me just takes a lot of, a lot of time and a lot of mind space. And I've been able to step into that with the, uh, slower season. As far as community of the shop goes, yeah, I've been able to like, we have friends come and visit us at the shop now and we like hug each other and cross is uh cross season is always a really really great time to kind of be reminded of um you know what could be because you're outside everybody's everybody's feeling weird everybody's feeling mm-hmm. good and so that's been really fun to uh kind of dip my toe back into dip our toe back into and then i've been really really inspired by all of the people who don't who aren't aren't a bike career people like don't work at bike shops like with all of the um pedal palooza rides that happened this year like all of the all of the bike groups that are popping up bolstering up the community of cycling and making it more inclusive and welcoming um and you know i don't think gladys has had in the past two years under my ownership has had really anything to do with that i've we've just been kind of existing as a bike shop and um, I'm really really happy to be able to step back into that uh, community yeah and speaking of that have you noticed you just mentioned like the 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 bike park northwest and there's there's other groups of people who weren't sort of what people would typically assume the Portland bike community as and so the the color and face of that has changed I think in the last year and a half people have sort of risen up and said hey we're here too we're going to start organizing rides anything else about like the type of riders you're seeing that is that are different I, I talked to another shop owner a few days ago who's so saying like in his vibe and he's also like sort of on a commuting corridor over on Williams that there's definitely a, you could t- notice that people are actually going back to the office so like have you seen a return of the commuter or anything like that that's worth noting yeah definitely I mean we've seen a lot of commuters for the past two years that work in the medical field so we've still seen our, our fair deal of commuters and so that's been really cool i love i love that i love people come in and just like i don't know why my bike is like so thrashed i just commute on it and it's like that's the hardest thing to do on a bike like that's also considered biking yeah that's like you're the roads are gross and like you're putting it through so much um have you seen any but what's your what's your take on like some people that maybe came in here um just because they want to do social distancing and they were sort of like you know, they went to dust off their bike because they finally realized, oh my gosh, biking is such an awesome thing to do during this COVID time. Uh, so they came in and maybe got a new bike or new parts. Have you noticed people, are, you think you're going to stick around? Do you have a sense for that? Like, have, did we create some lifelong riders throughout this pandemic boom situation? Hmm. Yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, I, I'd hope so. I mean, I'd hope that folks keep those um, really reliable and resourceful machines that bikes are, keep them um, operational. Because I think one thing that has been, you know, and and that's not to put any pressure on anybody. I think that's just as a person that likes biking and finds nostalgia in it and like a euphoria in riding and keeps me healthy and keeps me sane. I hope that if that is something that uh, rings true to other people, even in the slightest sense, that they continue to do it. Another one that's been new 
I remember when I moved to Portland uh, just the better part of 10 years ago, I saw so many weird freaking bikes on the streets, just like weirdos riding bikes. And it was awesome. And I think this past year and a half, I've just seen, uh, I've kind of seen like a rise of that again. Um, whether that be in uh, like a group or by themselves. And so I've really enjoyed that. I've loved seeing people get really creative and real fun with their bikes again. That's always like a great sign, I think, of like a healthy biking community ecosystem is when we have like the freak bikes and the creative bikes. and Yeah, love it. So looking ahead, what is there anything you want to share with folks about like what, what they might see from Gladys in the next maybe spring or summer? Like what, what should people be thinking in terms of the future of Gladys and what to look forward to? Yeah, I'm hoping to, uh, and we already are starting uh, last month, um, we're going to start doing our maintenance workshops again, oh, cool. um, which has always been small scale. So we do like uh, small workshops of like four people at a time. Um, and then we try and do those twice a month. Um, right now we're just doing them once a month and then we're doing uh, one-on-one workshops. And uh, hopefully, I mean, winter time, it's hard to do you know, functioning group rides to the point where uh, you can have fun photos and lots of laughs because everybody's just trying to keep their hands cold, yeah, hands right, warm. Right, right. And more group rides coming out of here. That doesn't mean that we'll be leading them, but there have been uh, lots of folks who have reached out who want to, um, you know, start their rides here and hope to just continue to be a spot where folks can come and feel welcome and um, where Machismo can just like get dropped to the door before they come in. So. Thank you so much, Cassie, for sharing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for chatting. That was Cassie Hidalgo, owner of Gladys Bikes on Alberta. Stay tuned for future episodes as I expand this series to a wider variety of shop owners across Portland. The Bike Portland podcast is a production of Pedaltown Media Incorporated and is made possible by listeners just like you. If you're not a subscriber yet, please become one today at bikeportland.org slash support. You can also listen to more episodes and find out how to subscribe to our podcast at bikeportland.org slash podcast. You can listen to more episodes and find out how to subscribe at bikeportland.org slash podcast. Our theme music is by Kevin Hartnell. I'm your host, Jonathan Moss. Until next time, thanks for listening, and I'll see you in the streets.